Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. As our annual tradition, we have donuts with Dad. And uh, so make sure you grab a donut on your way out. And we just want to wish all of the dads a happy Father's Day. Blessings upon you. And uh, keep doing a, a great job. And we're just thankful for all the men of our church. Just a couple things. We've, we've got such a huge sign-up for our picnic on Wednesday. We don't have enough chairs. So bring a lawn chair if you've got one, just just for backup. And uh, the weather looks good. And we're looking forward to that, of just getting everybody together on, on Wednesday. And I know over the last uh, couple of years, we're able to combine the services during the summer and have one service during the summer. Um, this year, though, there's been an increase in attendance, which is all your fault. So uh, we're just not able to do it. We are going to have one service on July 2nd during the 4th of July weekend. So July 2nd, Sunday, July 2nd, if you're around and you're here, uh, come. We'll have one service at 10 a.m. So just come half an hour earlier and we'll celebrate the two services together. But that's a good problem. Amen. God is good. And we're thankful for growth. Yeah, let's Give him thanks for that. Amen. We're, uh, we're continuing our, our series in the 23rd Psalm. We're going to be specifically looking at uh, verse 5 today. And the question I want to pose to you today, can we still find God's blessings when our life isn't going well? Can we still see God's hand upon our life? Can we still find joy and peace in our life when there seems so much that is against us or resistance against us or when we look in our world today and it just seems so crazy and we're like, can, can I still find God's hand of blessing on my life? What's interesting about what we're going to see in the, in, the, in the 23rd Psalm today is David expresses that even though he goes through these dark valleys, he's going to find a joy and a peace that the world cannot give him. And that's what we're going to look at today, that it's okay to go through difficult times. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel down at times. And David, what I love about the word of God, it doesn't hide the fact that life is difficult, that life is hard. And David expresses this within the psalm that even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death or these dark valleys, and what we discovered last week is that dark valleys are these emotional dark valleys that David was going through even as his enemies were pursuing him. Life wasn't ideal for him. He made a ton of mistakes in his life, but there was something different about David. Even though he made a ton of mistakes, there was a ton of flaws in his life, like every single one of us. Amen? Can we admit that? David understood his relationship with the Lord, that God was near him, that God would never leave him, that he could find this constant peace in the presence of the Lord. And I think for most of us, the reason why anxiety can overtake our lives so easily is that we don't find ourselves sitting at the Lord's table. And this is what David's going to express today about sitting at the Lord's table. How do we find contentment sitting at the Lord's table? So we're going to be specifically looking at verse 5 of Psalm 23, but we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 5 and what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. We've been reading this together, so let's read it. You're going to see it up on the screens. Let's read Psalm 23 together, verses 1 through 5. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup 
overflows. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Father God, as we just open up your word today, Lord, I pray you to speak to our hearts. And God, for us today that are just going through some difficult things in our lives where there's many times there feels there's no way out or anxiety has gripped our hearts. Lord, I thank you that you are not immune to that, that there's a place that we can find at your table where we can find your blessings and your grace. That, Lord, it's through those blessings and your grace that we can endure another day. That, God, we can find your presence and your strength even when we don't see it or feel it, that it's there. And David found this. And I pray that you would speak that to our hearts. Lord, I do thank you for all the dads here today and the fathers. Lord, I just pray for them, that you would help them, help them in their marriage, help them with their children and relationships, God. So I do thank you for them and for the men of our church, Lord. So we just pray, Lord, that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open to hear what you would have us hear today. We thank you for your word, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. What, what, what I love about the 23rd Psalm is that David is just raw, like he's completely honest with his feelings. And we, when we look at verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the, through the darkest vows, I'll feel no, feel no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David doesn't stop there. In fact, verse 4 actually flows into verse 5, where he says, You prepare, not only am I walking, because he, he's continuing that imagery of walking through this dark valley. So how am I getting through this dark valley? He says, well, I know you're still with me, even though I, I can't see maybe you know, one step in front of me, even though I can't see anything, it's just completely dark. I'm not sure what's in front of me. I know that you're guiding me, that we talked about this last week, your rod and your staff, they comfort me in those dark valleys. But then he says this. He says, not only do you guide me, but you prepare a table before me. And I want to look at that. What is it? What, what does this mean? Because verse 4 flows right into verse 5. And I want you to know that even in our darkest valleys, God prepares a table before us. God prepares a meal or a feast before us. Now, now think about your favorite, favorite meal. Maybe some of you dads out there, you're, you're getting some ribs today. You got some steaks, steaks on the grill Man, my, my stomach's growling right now. I can smell the donuts coming right in from the, from the foyer right now. Um, maybe you think about your favorite meal. Maybe it's a good steak. Maybe it's ribs. You think about, you, you think about your favorite meal. This is the picture that David is saying. Even though I'm walking through this dark valley, the Lord prepares this table, this feast before me. I remember on a missions trip in 1998, I got a chance to take a bunch of teens to England one summer. It was a great trip, great trip. And I, was, I had the privilege of speaking at a church in England. And many of the people in the church in England were from Italy. There were immigrants from Italy. There's, uh, there's a big segment of their church that was from Italy. And I happen to mention that I have a little bit of an Italian in me. And so this older couple came up after the service. And this was in the morning. They said, hey, would you mind coming to our house for dinner? And I said, sure, that would be great. She said, oh, yeah, we, you know, I, she goes, our big meal is right after church, but we'll have a snack for you um, at night. That's kind of our lighter meal. So I said, okay. I said, what do you normally have for your big meal? I mean, what, what do you guys cook? She goes, oh, we make homemade pasta. We make homemade bread. I make homemade sauce. I'm like, well, can I come over now then? I mean, can you invite me now? I go, that's what I want, right? And so she was telling me, and she goes, oh, yeah, we, we, we have our own homemade capicola. I'm like, homemade capicola? What do you got, a pig in your backyard? These slaughter? She goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, 
who does that? And then think, well, we live in Wayne County, so we we do that here in Wayne County. But I'm I'm like, who does that? I mean, everything was fresh, homie. So I'm I'm thinking light snack. I don't know what I was thinking, just a light snack as I come over for the evening because they have their big meal. So I walk into their house, and I'm not kidding you. I was treated like royalty. I walk in there, and she's got this bread. She's got the pasta boiling on the stove. She's got the homemade sauce. She's got the bread. She's got the capicola. She made, I don't know, desserts. She made all the, I'm like, this is your light meal? This is, I can't imagine what your main meal was. She goes, well, we kind of went a little overboard because we knew you were coming, and you're our special guest, and we're so glad that you came. For two hours, I ate. And I ate. I literally committed gluttony. I did repent later. But it was just the most amazing time. I never got up from my chair. She would, the, the host, you would just, what do you want now? What do you want? I mean, my cup, literally, my cup was never empty. She always was right there to fill up. I mean, the best host in the world. It was just an incredible. It was just my dream. It was just wonderful. And this is the imagery that David is portraying for us. He goes, listen, even though you're going through this dark valley, even though I'm going through this dark valley, He wants us to get this picture of God preparing this unbelievable table before us, this feast that he prepares for us, and that that he wants us to sit at the table and commune with him. Now, David says something interesting here. He says, you prepare this table in front of my enemies. Now, this is interesting because David, many times in his life, was pursued by his enemies, and it's just this anxiety on the back of his mind of being pursued, being pursued, had to weigh heavily upon him. And I can't imagine how he tried to find rest for his life knowing that someone was trying to kill him all the time. I mean, that, that has to put anxiety on your, on your mind. And here David says, even in the presence of my enemies, I know that I can find a place in God's presence where it will refresh my soul. You see, it's easy for us to look at the world and all the things that are going on around us and we, we see the chaos all around us and it's easy for us to look and to say, wow, look at what the enemy's doing. And I want you to understand this, that God will have the final say, that we can rest in him, that he's ultimately in control. But he doesn't want our hearts to wander or stray, to allow our hearts to become so preoccupied with everything that's going on in the world that it robs us of being in God's presence or it robs us of God's joy. So David, even knowing that the enemy was pursuing him, could find a place in God's presence that restored his soul. David is just, he's brutally honest about his enemies. Psalms 13, he says, that's why I love the word of God. It's just, it tells us just purely what people are going through. Here's what David says. He goes, how long, Lord? Have you ever thought that? Looking at a world today, like, Lord, what is going on? This is just craziness. How long, Lord? Will you forget Will you forget me forever? We've all been there. How long will you hide your face from me? We've all been there. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? You see, this is what I love about Psalm 23. It shows us that God hasn't forgotten about us. It shows us that even though David was honest and raw about his struggles, 
and his sorrows and feeling sad at times, he knew that there was a place that he could find in God's presence where he could find restoration for his soul over and over and over again. We might feel like evil is winning, but God will have the final say. David now feels justice is served and he's vindicated. He knows his enemies will not win. And so in the midst of his enemies, God prepares this banquet before David to say, my presence will restore you. God still cares for us and strengthens us even when we feel overwhelmed. And it's easy, it is so easy for us to be depleted of God's joy because of everything that's going on around us. So the idea here is being invited to a table has a lot of meanings in the word of God for us. And one of the huge overarching meanings of coming to a table is about intimacy. When you're invited to somebody's table, it's more than just eating some grub, right? And it has a bigger context. So when we see someone eating with someone or being invited to their table, it was a sign of friendship or intimacy. And Jesus was accused of eating at the table with sinners when he walked the earth. And other religious people would look at Jesus and say, how dare you go eat at, you're thinking, what's the big deal? Jesus went over somebody's house and was eating dinner with them. Well, many of the religious elite categorized who was a sinner, who wasn't. And what Jesus would do is he would go over to this so-called sinner's house and eat dinner with them and share his love and the reason why he came. And here's the thing. You cannot be in the presence of Jesus, truly be in the presence of Jesus and not be changed. And every person that came into the presence of the Lord truly came into his presence to understand him and know why he came. They were changed. And I want to bring out this story because there's a beautiful story of, of Jesus bringing life change to someone who didn't deserve, deserve it. And I want to talk about the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was this tax collector and Luke 19 describes him and he was a chief tax collector and he was probably the most popular person in Jericho. Everybody loves tax collectors. Everybody loved, I mean, just like us here, we love taxes. We love living in New York and paying our property tax and our school tax. We just love it, don't we? You just, every year when that comes around, you just sign that change. You're like, yes, this is wonderful, right? Pastor, you are crazy. Your orange juice was expired this morning. Um, but but he was just hated because um, it seemed like it, 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 he worked for Rome and just everybody hated him. He was, he was not a very popular person. So just the opposite is true. And Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming, coming through town. And so he climbs up this tree to, to see Jesus come by. And I want to read the story for it. It's, it's told for us in Luke 19. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man that was there was named Zacchaeus and he was the chief uh, tax collector and he was wealthy and he got his wealth by a lot, a lot of times dishonest means and he wanted to see Jesus and he wanted to see who he was. And because he was short, he could not see over the crowd so he ran ahead, climbed up a sycamore tree to see him and Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house. And so what Jesus is saying to him, I must eat at your house. I want to have dinner with you. I want to be at your table. I want to know you. And so now to the onlookers, they're like, oh, okay, here goes Jesus again, eating with, with, with a sinner. And I want you to notice something here. This is so amazing. And this is why the imagery of the table is so important for us to understand that we have to be at the Lord's table if we're going to find his presence and find rest for our soul. 
I want you to know something here. Jesus didn't deal with Zacchaeus right there. He could he easily called him out and called his sin out right there as he's up in the tree. He just said, Zacchaeus, you're, you're a lousy sinner. You've ripped people up. You need to repent. Repent now, you know, or I'm going to have lightning strike this tree down, okay? He could have easily done that, but what does he do? He doesn't do that. Now, all the onlookers and the religious elite would have said, yeah, go get him, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's what we've been waiting for. Give it to him. He doesn't say that. He says, Zacchaeus, I must dine with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to draw close to me. And see, he could have dealt with Zacchaeus and sin in front of everyone, and most likely it would please the crowd. Instead, Jesus just does the opposite, invites himself to eat at his house, to sit and recline and eat with him. You see, having a meal with someone meant deep friendship and intimacy. Here's what David understood. Even in the midst of my enemies, and think, even in the midst of Jesus' enemies, he could care less what they thought. He goes, I want to reach this sinner. I'm going to reach this, this person that no one thinks is reachable, and I want to have dinner with him. See, David understood, even in the midst of his enemies and them pursuing him and his life always being on the line, he knew that there was a place for him at God's table. Can I just say this to you? There's a place for you at God's table. You may feel like, Pastor, you have no idea what my past is. Zacchaeus is nothing compared to my life. What Jesus does is he invites you and says, no, there's a place for you at my table. For those that come with humble hearts and openness to receive Christ, there's a place at his table. And David even understood, with all his sin and breaking almost all the commandments, he knew that there's a place at God's table, that God would restore his soul, that God would renew his spirit. Did David have to pay? Do we pay for our consequences of, of the things we've done? Absolutely, we all do. But I'm so grateful that God doesn't hold our sin over us, that God no longer counts it against us. As far as the east is from the west, so he's removed our transgressions from us. Aren't you glad for that? That's why Jesus came. So what Jesus does is he doesn't come and look at Zacchaeus and he doesn't condone the sin, but he doesn't condemn Zacchaeus either. Because what he realizes is he knows that he's going to pay for Zacchaeus' condemnation on the cross for his sin. But he knew that he had to reach his heart, and he did. And for Zacchaeus and his household, Zacchaeus repented, gave back what he, he took dishonestly, and his life was changed. Coming to the table of the Lord changed Zacchaeus' whole future in his life. That nothing money or wealth could ever buy him. There's room at the table for you and I. So I, I love what... If you go on in Luke 19, verse 6 and 7, it says, So he came down at once, and I love this, and welcomed him gladly. Come on. Let's have this meal. Let's do it. Didn't matter what anybody else was thinking. Zacchaeus, yeah, everybody knows your sin. Everybody knows it. Everybody thinks you're unreachable. Everybody thinks you're a cheat. Nobody likes you. But guess what? There's room at my table for you. And all the people saw this, and what they do? They began to mutter and gossip and he's going to be a guest of a sinner. Right? So there, there's, there's his enemies judging Jesus for reaching a sinner, for telling them you can sit at my table because it was a sign of intimacy. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, there's room for you. See, the religious elite thought that eating at a dinner would make you unclean. 
And this is where Jesus says, no, I'm the one that makes you clean. This is what Jesus does. He invites us when we don't, none of us deserve an invitation to his table, do we? None of us because of our unrighteousness. But Jesus says, I'm going to pay for your unrighteousness on the cross through my righteous act because I am God and I'm perfect. I will pay the penalty for you. That's why Zacchaeus was invited. That's why David, even though he messed up over and over and over again, was called a man after God's own heart because he knew how to repent and he knew what it meant to have a personal relationship with his God. So he knew that even in his darkest times, there was room at God's table for him. So Jesus uses this encounter with Zacchaeus to explain why he came to forgive the sinner and invite them to sit at the table with him. And so what Jesus does is he heals our brokenness that was left because of sin and then he invites us to eat at his table. And so he doesn't condone what Zacchaeus did, but he doesn't condemn him either because he pays for his condemnation on the cross. And so Zacchaeus is now a changed person. He eats with him and he has a relationship with him. I am so glad that my invitation to God's table isn't dependent on me or my good works because I would never be invited. And guess what? Either would you. It's all dependent on Jesus and his good work. And so David, what, he, what's he, what's he saying, what he's telling us here in Psalm 23 is, I found comfort at the Lord's table. And it was at the Lord's table that I was renewed and restored even in my darkness. And so we come to the Lord's table through the perfect work of Jesus Christ. Now, David doesn't stop there. He says, but there's more, right? For 1999, if you act now, we'll throw in the Ginsu knives and the bamboo steamer and the Ronco record cleaner, right? There's more, right? Don't you love those commercials? Well, I got to act now because I need another pair. I need some more knives. And what would I do without a bamboo steamer? I don't know, but I, I, I've got to act now. This is what David says. Not only, not only can I sit at his table, but there's more. Listen to what he says. David continues in this feast theme by saying, not only do I sit at your table, but you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Not only do I get to sit at your table at this huge feast of delicious capicola. By the way, to finish the capicola story, I forgot to tell you that before. Um, they, when I left their house, they said, would you like capicola to take with you to the United States? Now, I didn't realize that's contraband at that time. So they gave me five pounds of Capicola wrapped in tinfoil. And when I got home, Kathleen, she's looking, she goes, what is this? I said, oh, they gave me five pounds of Capicola. And she's like, how did you get that through, you know, immigrations and customs? And I said, I, I don't know. I just, I bribed everybody. I bribed all the custom people. Hey, you want a piece of Capicola? They said, oh, okay, you can bring it through. So then I feasted on Capicola for the next two months. But anyways, that's just blessing over blessing. So here's what David's saying. David is saying, listen, not only are you feasting, feasting on Capicola, but he says this. He says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, what does this mean here? Well, an honored guest, when you would come into their house, and we kind of have Western thinking here. We need to think with Eastern minds. But when you would come in, your feet would be dirty, so you'd come in, your feet would get washed. And, and, And to be refreshed, the host would literally anoint the honored guest with fragrant oil. So not, not only are you invited as my special guest, but, but I'm going to anoint your head with oil. Now, in, in the Bible, oil or anointing has some very symbolic meaning here. So there's some symbolic 
meaning behind here. And it, it, it reminds me of the one time I got to fly first class when I was in college. And I racked up a lot of miles because I went to school in Florida, college in Florida. And I remember there's one flight. There wasn't a lot of people. And, and uh, behind the desk, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm flying down to Florida. And she's like, wow, this, this plane's really open. There's a couple, there's a lot of seats in first class. Do you want me to bump you up? Because I see you fly a lot. And I'm like, no, nah, I like sitting in the back. That's, you know. So she's like, so I'm like, yeah, sure. I've never flown that before. And I'm like, poor college students. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll sit in first class. So I did. And the minute I sat down, they bring me a hot towel. And I'm like, well, this is, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, you refresh yourself. Okay. And then two seconds later, would you like something to drink? And I'm like, absolutely. I have a Coke. Okay. And then a couple seconds later, she comes out with these huge chocolate chip cookies. I'm like, this is what goes on behind the curtain. Is this what's going on? All these, and then a couple minutes, and then they serve you the whole time. This is, this is the imagery that David is telling us. Not only do we feast, but you get refreshed over and over and beyond what you can even comprehend. In fact, it's interesting Interesting here. The Hebrew word for, for anoint here is very interesting. It's the Hebrew word dashain. Dashain. And it literally means, this is what it means, to anoint, what David means by anointing my head with oil, the Hebrew word dashain literally means to be fat. Now, before you all get offended, it's it's not what, what you think it means. This is what it means. It carries the idea of fresh, rich, affluent, and abundant. What, what David is saying is not only can I sit at your table, but I'm full beyond what I can even comprehend. In fact, I am so full sitting at your table that you anoint my head with oil. He says, my cup can't even hold it. Your blessings at your table and your presence, there's no cup that's large enough that could ever hold it. See, oil was used in so many different ways. And one way that oil was used was to remove ashes from someone who was mourning. Could you put ashes on your forehead? Kind of like Ash Wednesday. You put ashes on your forehead to to, to represent mourning, preparing your hearts for the cross of Christ and what he did. But oil was used to remove Ashes from someone mourning. The shepherd would use the oil to to cure his flock from parasites and cuts. See, the picture here, David is saying, is when he anoints my head with oil, dashain, what I'm doing is I'm trading my sorrows for joy. Now, am I still in the dark valley? Absolutely. Am I going to face that thing tomorrow? Probably. But he says, in your presence, not only am I at your table, But overwhelmingly, you pour into my life. You pour your grace into my life. You heal my hurts. Even though I may face the same thing tomorrow, the same anxiety, I know that you're there. I know that you're healing me. See, the anointing oil means gladness and healing. See, this is what a spirit-filled life looks like through the Holy Spirit. It's an assurance of God's presence to the point, to the point where my cup overflows. Do you get it? It's like, yeah, I'm going through this. It's not good. If someone ever asks you like, hey, how's your day going? Just say, you know what? It's a lousy day. If, you, if you're having a lousy day, just it's a lot. But you know what? I'm blessed. Have ever, someone ever said that to you when you say, hey, how are you doing? They say they're blessed. You know they're Christians because not too many people say they're blessed, Right. You can sit there and say, you know what? 
My day stinks. But I know that I'm blessed. See, that's your cup overflowing. That's God anointing your head with this oil of gladness that you cannot find in this world. So David is not saying that things aren't dark, but what he is saying is, my cup overflows. I'm still blessed. I know that God is with me. I know his presence is with me. I know I can sit at his table. See, the only way we can find this is in his presence. Because the world's going to vie for your attention. You're going to wake up tomorrow and the gas prices are going to be the same. Okay, they're, they're just going to be there, right? Taxes are not going down. They're going up, right? You just know that's going to happen. But guess what? Even with all that stuff and all the other stuff that's going on in our world, there's a place that we can find in the presence of the Lord, knowing that we can find joy and peace and satisfaction, knowing that God is filling our cup. My question to you is, what table are you sitting at today? Because if you're at the wrong table, your hearts are only going to be filled with anxiety and strife. And that's not the table that David said to sit at. We have to be in the presence of the Lord. You see, the cup of God's blessing is this blessing and provision that it overflows and it overflows. And that's why I love the imagery. There's no cup big enough to hold all that God pours into it. I like what William Mackenzie says here. It's such a beautiful way just to summarize verse 5. But he says, On the cross, Jesus Christ suffered untold agony and rejection. This was not because of anything wrong that he had done, but rather out of love for his Father and for those whose sins he was bearing. Yet his cup was overflowing. He had unshakable peace. The centurion saw this and exclaimed, Truly, this was the Son of God. May that be our profession today as we recognize the anointing of our head with oil and the overflowing of our cup. And what Jesus says is, Sinner, come to my table. Those who are broken, come to my table. Those who need healing, come to my table. Those who are overwhelmed, who feel anxiety gripping your heart, come to my table and I'm going to anoint your head with my presence with my Holy Spirit I'm going to let you experience my peace and my joy that you're never going to find in this world and we can only find that when we sit in the presence of the Lord so how can I do that when my day pastor is just so crazy here's what I would do you take those little times in your day where you just, if it's your break time, just say, Lord, I just, I'm going to be at your table. My coworker is driving me nuts and I want to strangle them, right? So you're just like, Lord, I need to be at your table right now. I need your presence. I need your joy. I can't allow these things to overwhelm or take my heart. Because what they will do is ultimately they will rob you of the joy and the blessing that God desires to pour into your life. Listen, it's okay to ask God to bless your life. That I'm not talking about necessarily material blessings and all that other stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But when you say, God, bless my life, I want your hand on my life. I want you to bless my kids. I want you to bless my marriage. I want What you're saying is, God, I want your presence in my life. I want your joy in my life. I want your anointing oil on my life. I want my cup to be overflowing 
with what you have for me, not with what the world has for me. And you can only find that at the Lord's table. And Jesus, just like Zacchaeus, says, Hey, I see you. I know exactly who you are. I know everything you've done, but come on down. And with gladness, Jesus received him and said, Hey, let's hang out. Let's have dinner together. Zacchaeus is probably like, what? Are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, come to my table and you will find restoration for your broken soul. That's what Jesus says to every weary sinner who comes to his table. I will give you a joy and a peace that nothing in this world could ever give you. And David understood that. May we be found in his presence as we are invited to his table and he overwhelmingly blesses us. Do you realize how blessed you are? We are blessed. God is good. Amen? I'm so glad Ruth Brooks was in the first service because she was amening me all over the place this morning. She ran around the church a couple of times. No, she was excited. Listen, and that's coming from a 91-year-old woman who knows the blessings of God. He is good. God is good. And he will always be good. Even in spite of my dark valley, he is still good. And he will always be good. So Father God, as we come before you today, wherever we are, God, you invite us to come and to lay our burdens at your feet because you love us. Not only do, do you restore, but you pour into us your grace over and over and over again. And so, Lord, as we, as we sing about your goodness in closing today, I pray that you would just pour out your goodness into our hearts as we come to you, weary sinners, broken, beat up, beat up by the world and everything else that so easily distracts us. We come to you and we need your refreshing now. So, Lord, just bring it to us today as we just lay our lives before you. And thank you, God, for not pushing us away, for not telling us we have to do this, that, and the other in order to come to your table. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done everything to open the way that we can sit with you, that nothing hinders us from a relationship with God because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So thank you, Lord. We come in Jesus' name to be restored and refreshed today. Anoint our heads with oil and may our cups overflow with your goodness today. We thank you, Lord, for your constant care for us. We love you. We praise you because it's, it's only because of Christ that we can have confidence that these things are true. So we just give you the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, can we thank the Lord for his word today? I hope you're blessed today. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to end. We're just going to end on a happy song. So let's stand. You guys are already standing. You guys are into this. Let's just sing about the goodness of God today. And may you be blessed as you sing it. God bless you.